what's the habit that I'm leaning on a lot and how can I kind of start making a difference in, in, you know, is it that I can start making it at home or can I, instead of buying it in this plastic container, is it available in glass or in bulk? So it's, you know, just making, making small changes like that. I don't want everybody to just, just go buy a cow. You know, it's not that, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's cause it sounds huge, right? It sounds huge and it doesn't have to be, it can just be really baby steps. What, you know, what's the thing that's, you know, that where's your passion and how can you uh, embrace that? Hey everybody, welcome to episode 39 of Be More Well. My guest today is author and blogger, Chris Bordessa, and we're gonna be talking about how easy it is to live a more self-reliant or sustainable life. But first, Be More Well is a wellness-focused podcast hosted by me, Jeff St. Pierre. Now, you might be asking yourself, what do I know about wellness? And the answer is almost nothing. But that's exactly why I started this podcast. I wanted to talk to people from all across the wellness spectrum. So doctors, athletes, musicians, moms, dads, everybody who's got a story to tell about how they've found mindfulness and wellness in their life. Ultimately, my goal here is to provide you with some information that will help you be happier, healthier, less stressed, more mindful. I just want you all to be more well. Quick life update from me. Uh, I'm sorry first that I did not get a new episode for you last week. I took on a bit more than I could handle for a couple of weeks there and needed some time to get caught up. Also, my wife is a teacher and she went back into the classroom. So I've been adjusting to being full-time daddy daycare at home. Uh, It's been an adventure, that's for sure, but I do think things are going well and I really honestly cherish these extra moments that I'm getting with my daughter here. Uh, These are moments I wouldn't normally have in any other situation. So I'm kind of excited uh, to take advantage of that. I've been toying with a new project here as well. So I think I'm going to launch a new podcast next week to go along with Be More Well. And maybe you're asking, why do that if you're already overwhelmed? Well, I love doing Be More Well. I learned so much from these conversations, and I'm glad that I started. I like sharing this information, but there are so many other people that I want to talk to that don't really fall into the health and wellness world, so they won't really fit with what I'm doing here with Be More Well. I get opportunities to speak with authors and musicians, and I I turn them down sometimes because they just don't kind of fit the brand of this show. So I'm going to start something else where I get to have more candid conversations that don't need to fit inside one particular box. Now, Be More Well isn't going anywhere, at least not now. I, I can never predict the future, so who knows? But I think I can navigate two shows and still bring the same love to each one. I'm going to have some more details for you once things are finalized, but I am excited and I hope that you'll give the new podcast a little bit of your time. Again, I'll have more details for you soon. All right, so on to this episode of Be More Well. This one kind of fell into my lap at the perfect time. One thing I've tried to do since I bought my home is grow vegetables in our garden. Last summer, I even built a new raised garden bed in the yard to help me expand my reach. I've tried to grow a bunch of different things, you know, from cauliflower and sweet potatoes to tomatoes and peppers. My goal each year was really to get the plants as big as possible. I thought that meant success, which now I know isn't the proper way to do it. There's better ways to control the plants. As I've been looking forward to spring and summer this year, I've been really excited to get back into the garden, got a new plan of attack, and I am ready to get started. And not only is it exciting for me to grow veggies and fruits, you know, you feel successful when you see these plants coming out of the ground, but I also love to be able to eat the food that I worked so hard to make. And I'm trying to live a more sustainable life that way. My wife and I have done our best to transition to mostly plant-based products in the house, you know, soaps, cleaning supplies, paper towels. Oh, uh, the toilet paper, by the way, my seventh generation is great. I 
honestly was worried about plant source toilet paper, but it's working out great for me. I don't know, TMI? Oh well. Other things we've changed in our lives, I've shifted to not eating dairy and being, I'll say, approximately 85% vegetarian. I'm sorry, every once in a while, I'm super lazy and busy and chicken nuggets just find their way into my air fryer and they end up being my lunch. It happens. You know, we're trying to do our part to help our environment. We're not perfect, but we're trying. So that's why this book and this conversation are so exciting to me. Chris Bordessa has spent the last decade or so writing a blog called Attainable Sustainable. It's all about how we are much more capable than we believe at self-reliant living. On one hand, it's great how easy it's become to get food and to get products. But as access to things has become easier, we've also forgotten how to do so many basic things that people before us did on a regular basis. I mean, think about it. If you're in your 30s or 40s, you're about my age. Your parents probably have all these recipes from their parents and grandparents. But you probably don't have much in your arsenal. Your recipe cookbook is probably more on Grubhub or Uber Eats. And I'm not judging. Life is crazy and it's busy. We've got all these things at our fingertips, so why not use them? They're great options. But maybe it's easier than we think to be more self-reliant. Maybe we can do a lot more of those things that our grandparents and great-grandparents did on a regular basis. Chris Bordessa has a ton of very simple things for us to do, from creating food storage to gardening to making great meals with ease. And her book is amazingly beautiful. Seriously, it is so well done. It's the best looking book I think I've ever seen in my life. I got a digital copy for this conversation, but I'm definitely going to go to the store and buy a physical copy to keep around the house. Now, before I give you this conversation with Chris, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to Be More Well on whatever platform you're listening on right now. That way you'll be notified for all the new episodes that come down the line. I'd also love it if you would rate and review the show so the podcast powers that be know how we're doing. And you can find us on Instagram at Be More Well Podcast. I try to put some other content on there as well, along with updates from the show. But that's also the best place to reach me. Shoot me a DM on Instagram if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future guests. I love hearing from what you guys want to learn more about. Be More Well is a project that I started for myself. But again, if you got something on your mind, let's talk about it. Hit me with a DM on Instagram. Also, just for some context before we dive into the interview, I did this conversation at about noon my time. That's Eastern Standard Time. So you'll hear me reference the time difference here at the start of the conversation. You know, just wanted to give you a heads up so you're not confused. Hey, Chris. Hey, good morning. Good morning to you. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am great. Um, right off the bat, I want to ask you, are you in Hawaii right now? I am actually in Hawaii right now, yes. So it's early for you. I'm, I'm on the East Coast. Are you six hours behind the East Coast of, of America? Um, right now we're five hours. We don't do time change here. So oh, right. it kind of fluctuates either five or six. So yeah, it's, it's early. I'm having coffee. <laughs> well, please have more. Uh, thank you for <laughs> getting up early and chat with me. I appreciate that. No worries. I'm actually really excited to talk to you because I've just been thinking about getting back out into my garden because the weather is finally starting to turn for us where I think the ground is defrosted and I think we're defrosted for good. I don't think we have to worry about any more refreezing uh, now. And this is coming at the perfect time for me. Perfect. But that's always the case. You always think it's, it's the last frost and then you plant your things and you get one more. You know, I grew up in New England and now I live in Maryland. And in, if, if I were in New England, I would hold out a little bit longer because that is definitely the case up there. But in Maryland, once you hit March, you're usually pretty safe. But now you've got me scared. So thanks. <laughs> well, your book is really it's amazing. Attainable, Sustainable, The Lost Art of Self-Reliant Living. Uh, just a, a beautiful book as a whole. We could start right there. It's amazing how this was all put together. 
yeah, National Ge- Geographic did just an amazing job. It's almost like they know what they're doing. Uh, did they reach out to you or did you guys go to them? How did that come together? Yeah, you know, I, I started my website about 10 years ago and um, it, it's been, you know, online. And, and the initial um, reason that I started it is that I, I, I'm i a, a writer and I had written several other books and I thought, you know, I want to, I would really like to write a book on this topic. And one thing I know from being in publishing is that, uh, you know, you kind of need that, that online background in order to uh, get started with publishing and you, and you want that platform. So I created the website and started working on that. And, you know, I, I continued with that and I kind of, you know, over the time, let the whole idea of the book go by the wayside because I was busy with creating the site and had, had generated followers there. And back in 2016, I got a call from National Geographic and uh, a, a team of women on, on the line. And they said, uh, ha- actually, first they say, they said, are you really in Hawaii? <laughs> 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 and, uh, and they said, have you ever considered writing a book? And I said, well, yeah, you know, in fact, I have. That, that, was, that was the goal here. Well, you definitely got partnered up with a good team. That is for sure. Because oh, you yeah. slap that logo onto something and you know it's for real. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they were just fabulous, fabulous to work with. How long have you lived in Hawaii? Is this where you're from? It's not where I'm from. Um, I've been here since 2005. Okay. Yeah. My wife was born in Hawaii. Uh, her family did not stay there very long after she was born. Um, but it's like the one thing we've been together now for just over seven years. And I keep saying, I'm like, how am I dating someone who was born in Hawaii and you've never taken me to Hawaii? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely on our list of things, but I've heard you talk before about how, you know, each place you live, obviously places a, uh, uh, has different challenges when it comes to trying to grow things, trying to create things. And for you, moving to Hawaii was, was not the easiest transition. There were things that you used to grow and used to do where you were. I don't know where you were from before. Um, but like a zucchini, I think was the example that I heard you reference and how zucchini was something that you could grow like crazy before, but getting in Hawaii, you were like, yeah, not going to work here. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, it's, it's always very humbling to, um, to try to grow food. And I, I grew up in Northern California and gardened in Northern California always. And I always had this garden that, uh, you know, that the neighbors would ogle as they went by and I harvested bushels and bushels of tomatoes and zucchini, of course. And we moved here and I started growing the things that I was used to growing and that I knew how to grow. And, you know, Mother Nature said, uh-uh, not happening. So, yeah, I struggle. I, I've, I've almost almost entirely given up on zucchini. Uh, tomatoes, I've learned that I can grow cherry tomatoes well here, just enough to kind of snack in the garden, but, but not by the bushel. You know, I, I get bananas by the bushel. Tomatoes are my specialty. Like if I had to pick one thing that works really well for me, it's definitely tomatoes. My wife, however, does not like tomatoes. So I always end up with an abundance and I'm like, what am I going to do with all of these things? I, I, I envy that problem. I, I envy <laughs> that problem because that is, um, that's, that's a problem that I no longer have. I, you know, I used to, once upon a time, I used to can all of our tomato products, anything that we use, the, you know, just regular stewed tomatoes or pizza sauce or, you know, I would preserve that. And I just, um, it's just not happening. <laughs> I want to try that this year. See, I've been taking baby steps. Uh, when we bought our house, my, the thing that I was most excited for was the fact that I was going to be able to have a garden. 
because um, renting places, you don't always have access uh, to really create something. And the second I was like, oh my gosh, we're buying this house because they already have a raised garden bed. I don't have to even build one. We're good to go. Um, so that has been the thing that I've loved doing, but I try something new every year. Cucumbers are still my nemesis. I cannot get cucumbers to grow for whatever reason. They're kind of picky. They, they can they can be kind of picky. I you know some years I have a really good year with cucumbers and and other years not so much. And again, cucumbers fall in that same category with the um, with the zucchini that that I struggle with them here. We, we, we've got a pest here that just mm. as soon as they start to form, the pest gets in it and and ruins the fruit. So um, that's a little bit of a struggle too. But yeah, <laughs> cucumbers are are kind of particular. So this whole idea of being able to do things on your own is kind of interesting when you really think about it, because, you know, for generations, for you know decades, eons, people did all of this stuff on their own. But mm. as, you know, convenience started to become a lot more available for people, we've kind of forgotten how to do a lot of these things, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, we're all busy, right? Sure. It, it's the, so, so trying to figure out how to, how to be this kind of 21st person, you know, busy person, uh, and still maintain some of those skills, still maintain some of that, uh, the self-reliance skills. It's tough. You know, where do you, where do you find time to do that? So, you know, one of the things that, that I, I like to talk about and, and encourage people to do is to, you know, one of the things is breaking the habit, becoming aware and realizing, because I think that this, in the past couple of generations, it's become so ingrained that we, that we do certain things that we think that's just the only way to do it. Um, and my, and my fallback, um, example is salad dressing. When you go to the supermarket, everybody, I mean, you know, how many feet of salad dressing bottles do you see in the supermarket? Right. So obviously people are buying a lot of salad dressing, but it's something that's super, super easy to make at home. And it's not that people can't do it or, or don't do it. A lot of people just simply don't know they can do it because they've always just gone to the store and bought salad dressing. Uh, and, you know, I think that's a new thing in the past couple of generations. So anyway, that's, you know, that's just an example, but I think it's a matter of, okay, what's the habit that I'm leaning on a lot and how can I kind of start making a difference in, in, you know, is it that I can start making it at home or can I, instead of buying it in this plastic container, is it available in glass or in bulk? So it's, you know, just making, making small changes like that. Um, I don't want everybody to just, just go buy a cow. You know, it's not that, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's cause it sounds huge, right? It sounds huge and it doesn't have to be, it can just be really baby steps. What, you know, what's the thing that's, you know, that where's your passion and how can you, uh, embrace that. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the last couple generations, because I do feel like that's where a big shift started to happen. And I'm sure if you did sociological studies, you could find, you know, reasons why, you know, two parents working, whatever the may situation may be. But, you know, even just cooking has kind of fallen by the wayside um, over those two generations. Yeah, cooking from scratch. So I, I'm a product of the 70s, when when really a lot of this stuff was starting to show up in the supermarkets that we had these shortcuts and my mom was busy and my mom is kind of like this you know straddling the fence kind of a gal because she would make homemade meals all the time but then you know the side dish was a loaf of wonder bread or you know the, the other thing that I talk about is if she needed a quick dessert she would you know pull out a box of of chocolate pudding mix and it was in a you know little cardboard box 
I was in my 30s before I knew that you could make pudding from scratch. That's the only thing I knew was that box. So, you know, that that's just, that's why I talk about the awareness that, that it's, you know, maybe what you grew up with, how did they do it, you know, four generations ago? How did they handle that, you, you know? Um, even storing food, we store our food with plastic wrap and in Ziploc bags yeah. and that sort of thing. And all that stuff just goes straight in the trash. How were they doing it four generations ago? How did they store food? And, you know, maybe you're not going to go back that far, but you can start thinking about how to change that. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, and I think when it comes to cooking specifically, I mean, I think like you just mentioned, you learn things from your parents as you go. And, you know, I look back at my mom did a great job. She was the primary uh, cooker in my family and she did a great job making sure that we stayed fed, uh, stayed fed. But I learned how to make hot dogs and I learned how to make pasta. Like it was the quick and easy, fast things to make, which were great in college. But now as an adult, I'm like, what? I want to roast a chicken. How in the world do I do that? <laughs> right, right. So, so it is. It's just a matter of, of, I think, first wanting to do that. How do I do that? How can I do that? You know, some things are easier to, to make at home than others. I don't think you start with something really fancy like a souffle. Sure. It, you know, you start start with basic foods and learn that, that you can do it. And, uh, and, and yeah, it's something that can be done. So I think, you know, over the last year, now this book came out almost a year ago, right? Was it April of last year? It was March. Okay, so it's been a year now. And, you know, as people had to shift their lives to staying home and maybe for a lot of people, the restaurants they would normally eat at uh, weren't readily available or not at least easy to get to. Um, you know, a lot of people have started to do a lot more things on their own. But I've also seen this this trend kind of coming in, you know, through things like Pinterest or social media, because you're seeing the things that people are creating, or you're seeing the meals that are being offered at different restaurants. And, and it's, it's, I feel like it's been inspiring people to try to do things on their own. Yeah, I, and, and I think you're right. I think that certainly Pinterest is a very visual, uh, visual way of finding uh, ideas for food, you know, I, I know I'm not the only one who, you know, I, I cook, cook from scratch, primarily that that's just what we do around here it's always what I've done uh, but boy even after this year I sure would like to have somebody else cook a meal for me and go out <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Pinterest is the fallback it's like yeah. all right I really need something different that's not my usual what could you know how could I wow myself today um, but yeah I, and, I, and I you know the other thing is is too and it's not just food and it's it's not just the the current pandemic situation, but I've seen a lot of young people really coming into kind of the fold of, of living more sustainably that yeah. they are, even though we kind of skip these couple of generations, there's an awareness of young people coming in and saying, wow, we are really causing a problem here. We, you know, we've got this recycling issue, we've got the waste, we've got the, you know, bad ingredients, all, all the different elements of that. And I see young people becoming aware of this and making change. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a huge topic of conversation. The young people are so extremely concerned with the environment and, you know, rightfully so. My, my wife is a teacher in middle school and she says all the time that one of the biggest things that they have as a fear or as a stressor is the environment. Um, and it's so it's fascinating to me in some ways that these kids are so in tune with the world that maybe people, I just turned 40, people my generation kind of ignored. Um, but it's great at the same time because I find so much inspiration in them as they're trying to do different things and trying to live in a more sustainable way. Yeah, yeah, I, I you know, I see it a lot. Um, I, I've got a, a gal that I know here who is, um, she's probably 30 
And one of one of the things that she has has taken on herself um, is gathering food. We, you know, there's a there's a problem with food growing on a tree and dropping, especially here. We've got, you know, a little bit maybe different environment, but it happens other places too. And you hear people talk about gleaning and such. And she said, we've got people who are going, you know, can't get food. They're going to the food bank and they're getting just essentially crap food when we've got tangerines falling on the ground. So she's kind of going out there and and helping people um, harvest somebody who's got just one small tangerine tree in their yard that they can't be, you know, they can't eat it all themselves and getting the food out there. So, you know, that's just one, one thing that's happening around here that I, you know, as far as an awareness that these young people are having and getting out there and making a difference. Oh, for sure. I mean, on a much smaller level, the house that we bought had a cherry tree in it and, um, mm-hmm. you know, it grows so many cherries. It's impossible for us to eat them. So I always tell my neighbors, if one of you guys has a tall ladder, bring it on in, like, go ahead, take the cherries, whatever you want to use them for. If you're going to eat them, I'd rather see you eat them than see them fall on the ground or get picked right. off by a squirrel, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and it's that that awareness that we do have, um, and, and I think it's anywhere, trees trees growing, um, you know whether it's an apple tree or you know as you say cherry tree that that you know a, a tree produces a lot of food if we're talking about fruit trees, um, and, and figuring out how if you're not going to preserve that yourself or eat that yourself, you know let's get it out there to people. So your book is kind of split into five sections. You've got eat make, I'm sorry, six, I miss her. Eat, make, clean, grow, farm, and trek. Um, for you, which one was the one that you enjoyed piecing together the most? Oh boy. Um, I, I, I have to say eat, I, you know, I have to say eat <laughs> because I mean, we all eat because that's where people, I think, I think most people can really dive in and make the biggest difference. You know, as we said, getting people to, to cook in the kitchen, I have a lot of things like pantry ingredients in the book, you know, going back again to the salad dressing that we talk about, there are things that people don't realize they can make with, you know, mayonnaise, mustard, that sort of thing. Uh, We talk about preserving food so that if you do have that tree or you have a neighbor who has a cherry tree, you know, you can learn how to, um, how to preserve that food and, and use that. So, so that was, that was by far, you know, my favorite one. I, I tend to lean more towards the grow, although clean has interested me a lot. I, I've made jokes to my wife over the years that I want to start making our own soap. Um, and then she'll call me a hippie and then we move on to something else. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> do it. I, I will tell you, I, I started making soap. Um, I don't know. It's probably been half a dozen years or so ago. I came late to it and I did because I was afraid of it. You know, it sounded like this big, huge thing. And I kept thinking, I want to do this, but I hesitated because I didn't know how to do it. Um, And I think that's always the thing that stops people, right? If you don't know how to do it, you don't know where to start. So, So no, the soap making, once I did it, I realized, oh my goodness, other than needing to be, you know, a little bit careful with the ingredients, <laughs> you know, they're not edible ingredients and they can be a little bit caustic. It's like making a cake. You know, you're just like measuring some things and mixing them together and using a, an immersion blender and then you just let it let it go. It's so, it's so easy. I, it, it's incredibly easy. I'm going to have to give it a try, but I think you made a great point there and it's being scared to try. And I think that's, I think that's why a lot of people, at least over these last couple of generations, because they didn't experience it firsthand growing up there, there is a fear to try to do some of this stuff on your own because you haven't tried and failed before. You didn't see someone else doing it. 
Yeah, 100%. And, and actually, that's I, I talk about a little that a little bit in the introduction of, of my book in that I, I grew up with a background where my mom was cooking and she was canning. So she, you know, I, I had that little bit of base, if you will, that I, you know, I saw it and I knew what to expect. And I knew, oh, gosh, on canning day, there's going to be jars and, you know, stuff on the floor. And, and this is what it's going to look like. A lot of people don't have that. So, so there's, you know, they don't, they don't have that, that base, but then there are a lot of things that I didn't grow up with that I've just, I've learned too, along the way in small steps, you know, which is really what I encourage people to do, you know, just little bit, little baby steps. For sure. Um, I've got a digital copy of your book, but I'm going to have to go pick up a physical copy for sure, because I just, I would love to be flipping through these pages and, and have uh, the examples, you know, right there. But I imagine this is a great thing too, not only for someone to learn, but also for parents to do with their kids and to give their kids some experiences. You know, I think that uh, there are a lot of, a lot of things in there, a lot of projects that can be done and, um, you know, they fall really nicely into the whole homeschool thing that's sure. happening right now as well. It's, you know, whether it's just a craft project or it's, you know, learning to cook. Um, I like, I really like to see the book as kind of a, a, kind of a bouncing board for people to come in, see what intrigues them, what they're interested in there, try it. And, and then, you know, if you find that soap making is your thing, you can just deeply delve into that and, you know, off you go or you may try making soap and think this is just, you know, not my thing. I'm not interested. I'd rather be quilting or I'd rather be canning. So it's, you know, it's kind of an introduction to a whole lot of different, different aspects of self-reliant living that people can be trying at home. 100%. And it's not, it's not a book you sit down and read cover to cover. It's a book that you bounce around in that you find like, okay, well, like for me personally, I'm getting ready to get into my garden and start setting some things up. And in this section here, I see you have marked off seasonal crops. And I would not have thought before that broccoli was the thing that I should be starting to plant right now. Like I want to jump on the broccoli this year and get that right. into the ground. Uh, my, like I said before, my instinct is always tomatoes. That's what I do. Right. So I plant tomatoes, but maybe right. this year I hold off a little bit and I get the broccoli in the ground first and get that started. Uh, so that's where I, my head right now is in that section in that area. But Hey, a couple months down the line, I'm sitting here in the summertime. I want to make some soap. Now I'm moving back into that area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a great, it's a great project to, to tackle. And, and, and you're exactly right that, that it's, it's, it's the kind of book that you flip through and say, Oh, here's an idea that, you know, I've got a day I'm taking a day and I want to delve in and try something and, and you can flip through and find, you know, oftentimes it's, what do I have on hand? Right. Yeah. Oh, I have the stuff to make this right now so I can try that thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely a, a you know, a, absolutely a, a, jumping off place for a lot of these things. Oh, for sure. And I'm just, I just love it. I, I, I feel like I say that a lot, but I just love it so much. I, I, it, you know, to me, it's like, I'm glad. it's like when you get a recipe book, like if you're really into cooking, you get a recipe book and you just start flipping through and you're like, oh man, all these look so great. I can't wait to, you know, try this dinner or that. Like, that's kind of how I felt when I'm looking through this. I'm like, there's so much great information in here. Like, I'm so, I'm so glad I have this resource now at my fingertips. Yeah, I'm 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 glad too, and and I'm um, I'm a little jealous of your of your tomato situation. 
<laughs> so I'm trying something new this year because my my neighbor is an actual chef. Um, and I, I watched him do his garden. And we kind of go back and forth every once in a while. We kind of make fun of each other. But I watched him do his garden. And he did something with his tomatoes last year that I've never seen before because uh, I'm, I'm very you know, elementary when it comes to all of this stuff. But he actually set up sort of like, I don't know how to describe it, but like poles with wiring. And he like, you know, every day he'd go out and kind of like almost – you know, weave the the tomato plant through the wiring going up, so it kept growing straight up. And I've never I've never done that before. I've I've you know put a tomato plant in a cage and let it grow up the cage, but sometimes it grows out of control and then you've got a mess. But his was so put together so well. I'm like, I'm doing it. That's what's happening this year. Awesome. I would love to see a picture of that. The gardeners are um, pe- people who garden and grow tomatoes on a regular basis. They they are just very very passionate about their tomato trellis and their method of caging tomatoes and how they, you know, how they do it. You, you, you can get a whole bunch of people arguing about the, the proper way to do that. Um, but yeah, that, that's awesome. Cause, cause the tomatoes, I mean, some tomato plants will grow seven, 10 feet tall. Yeah. And if you can keep them from sprawling on the ground and like you say, those little tiny tomato cages, once the plant gets big, the first thing it does is fall out, fall over. Yep. So the whole thing's back on the ground. I had a problem where I had I had two growing next to each other that just got out of control. My wife was pregnant, so I kind of lost interest in you know really caring for the garden the way I normally would. Uh, but they just got out of control, and then you know then you sometimes you find yourself having bugs in there that you can't really control, and it becomes a whole big nightmare. So this year the baby's already out, so now I can focus. Like now I can make. There you happen. go. <laughs> there you go. I like it. I like it. I love. I love to see people out in the garden. It's you know for me it's a um, it, it's therapy. To, to get out sure. there and and dig and um, you know harvest my temp- my few tomatoes that I have or or you know peppers do really well here so I can go out and harvest my uh, you know handful of peppers. I uh, get okay peppers. I, I I'm not I'm not bad but I'm not great. So again another challenge. Cucumbers and peppers are two things that I said earlier that I want to make sure this summer I can get something out of. That's my goal. Okay, I, I'm gonna give you I'll give you a a, a tip on the peppers okay. and this, this goes back to my. Um, my California days, I struggled and struggled with peppers because the the sweet bell peppers they they kind of are a long season crop. They they need a, a you know long season and they just never quite got there. Okay. They didn't didn't completely ripen. And I started growing one year a hybrid pepper called Gypsy. Okay. And it was prolific. It, it was like night and day the um, the the amount of peppers that and and nice ripe peppers that I got off of this. All right, I'm writing that down. I'm gonna make it a gypsy okay. peppers. Take notes. Okay, gypsy. I've done good with jalapenos, but regular peppers not so good. They've yeah. they've been a struggle for me, but We'll make it happen. Chris, uh, I want to share my photos with you as I go. So I, I'm sure you have social media. Is there a place that I should sort of tag you and send them to you? Of course. Yeah, I am. I'm on Facebook as Attainable Sustainable. Um, I have a, a big Facebook page there. Um, and I'm on the Pinterest and the Instagram and, and all of those. It's, it's all, you know, it's, it's all attainable, sustainable. And the website is attainable, sustainable.net. Um, I have a newsletter that goes out a couple of times a week, one, one or two times a week. I sometimes forget. And, um, yeah, people can sign up to grab that too. And you're still updating the, I mean, I know you put the book out, but you're still doing stuff on the website too. I mean, that's where you started all of this process yeah. anyway. So you're still putting updates there too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the website is um, is still active, and and you know pe- people are are able to see new stuff that happens there on a you know on a regular basis. I'm in the process of 
finalizing an online course for very beginner gardeners who want to start growing their own food in containers. It's a video course. So that will be available probably within the next couple of weeks. I've been, I've been working on that. That's awesome, Chris. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, for sure for people that are listening right now. Well, Chris Bordet said the book is attainable, sustainable, the lost art of self-reliant living. Uh, had I have known you were in Hawaii before I booked this interview, I would have offered a later time on my end. Um, so you didn't have to get up quite so early to uh, talk to me, but I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your coffee. Thank you so much for your time. It's terrific. Thanks so much. Nice talking with you. Huge thank you to Chris Bordessa. Her book, Attainable, Sustainable, is available now, and it's absolutely incredible. The most beautiful book that I have in my collection, hands down. And thank you to all of you for taking some time. I appreciate you sharing some of your day to hang out with me. Until next time, be well.